Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All month long, we've talked about the compassion of Jesus, how he looked at people, how he really saw them. He didn't only look at them, he looked at them with compassion. He was moved with compassion. It moved him to do something about it. And I say this all the time, but I love how Jesus was both spiritual and practical. Talked about this a little last week. He didn't just exist in the the spiritual realm and the supernatural and the spooky, the miracles, the oohs and the ahs, right? I think some Christians get stuck there a little bit. And I get it, you know, us evangelicals, us Pentecostals, we believe in the moves of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I've seen so much of it in my lifetime. It is so easy to get addicted to see God move the presence of the Holy Spirit. You want to get addicted to that, and you should. However, Jesus was both spiritual and the practical. He not only healed people miraculously, but sometimes he just fed them real food, like fish and loaves, right? Sometimes he filled their actual physical stomachs. Sometimes he let the little kids come to them. He prayed for daily bread and teaching us how to pray, right? Let your kingdom come, let your will be done, the big, crazy, supernatural stuff, but then also give us today our daily bread. Jesus also made breakfast on a beach, After being resurrected, he made breakfast on a beach for his disciples. It's one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. He also hung out around tables of sinners. He used mud to heal a man's eyes. Like actual mud, dirt. He healed eyes with them. He told lepers to go to the priest and get checked. He was practical as well as supernatural. He was a real, living, breathing human. We believe, you know, Jesus was fully God and fully man. He was a human, too. I believe he joked. He was down to earth. I'm pretty convinced at this point that he was funny. People always say God has a sense of humor. I actually believe God has a sense of humor, right? I think Jesus was funny. This is why I love the uh, Chosen series. Have you guys seen this yet? It shows Jesus as, you know, human. It lets you experience it and imagine what that would have been like to be there. I think people genuinely enjoyed his presence because that's who he is. Spiritual and practical. He's balanced. Not spooky, weird, right? Not too out there and spiritual, but he also wasn't so practical that he couldn't see the spiritual and the supernatural. There's a balance. It's why we need series like different, the one we just went through before this, where there's big, bold moves of God. God does something in our hearts. And why we also need series like Your Kingdom Come. Right where we learn again how to see people as children of God and learn that God calls us to serve others more. We need both spiritual and practical. In fact, I believe Jesus' spirituality is what led him to be practical. So I want to share with you two stories today from the Bible and two stories from today. You're going to hear four different stories of healing today, and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray boldly that God will move, that that as we lay our hands on the sick, God's going to heal. He's going to use this room, this space, this area around the altar. We're going to entreat heaven together. We're going to ask for a bold move of God and a sense of freedom in this place. Anybody ready for that? Are you ready for that? All right. 
So which do you want first? A story from today or a story from the Bible? Oh, you guys are so spiritual. You said Bible. Too bad you didn't really get a choice. We're gonna we're gonna watch Craig, Greg Waldy's story first. Now, I want to just preface this. I, I want you to see Greg and his story today because I want you to understand that this still happens. Okay, we are gonna read two stories from the Bible. Don't worry, spiritual people, we're, we'll get there. Okay, but I want you to see that this still happens. Greg Waldy usually sits right down here in the front row of Today, he couldn't be here. They're on a camping trip today, right? They're amazing people, Greg and his wife, Elaine. They sit down here, usually right in the front row. He worships God passionately. He prays over people after services. He always goes to the hospital when I ask him to go pray over someone who's sick. He is an amazing man of God that God is using today. But I believe he has a special anointing of healing because he's been through it. This still happens. Right? The God was God thousands of years ago, and he is God today. Every page of the beautiful book of the Bible is a love story to you from the creator of heaven. He has always been trying to get through to you. Always. He's coming after you. He wants to know you, to love you, to be let in. He wants to heal you and provide for you. He wants that. Sometimes that requires that he feeds us. Sometimes that requires that he picks us up out of the ditch, all the stories that we've been talking about throughout this series. Sometimes that requires that he heals us. Jesus has done and will do his part. We have to be in there. I want you to hear Greg's story today, so let's listen to that together. The summer of 2014, I started to uh, I started to feel nauseous. Um, it was probably uh, mid-August uh, that I had gotten a call from my uh, from my family physician, and um, it was a busy day. Uh, he said, um, I'm, "I'm really sick right now," and um, he told me. And I said, wow, uh, you know, why is he calling me, telling me that he's feeling uh, sick? Greg, he said, uh, your body is, uh, is consumed with cancer. You, you have it, uh, you have cancer in your bones. Um, uh, it's in your leg bone, it's in your, it's in your hip, it's in your back. Uh, you have four to five inch tumors on your liver. Um, He went on to say, he uh, went on to say, he said, I'm going to make you an appointment at a uh, cancer specialist. He said, I can't see where treatments are going to be of any benefit to you. It's too far. It's, uh, it's stage four. It's through your body. So he uh, gave me uh, eight, eight months. Sort of took me by surprise, as it would anybody. Um, of course, at this point, uh, I think like just about anybody would, um, 
you go to you go to your knees. I I came home. I I went to my knees. I uh, I couldn't understand why um, the cancer uh, had gotten to this point. Why uh, God had left it get to this point. Within a very short period of time, I uh, I started to uh, use a small room in our house that we have. I used it as um, as my prayer room, and I started to uh, build a relationship with Jesus to find out what was between uh, him and I. Um, One morning, he led me to Scripture. He led me right to it uh, when I opened it. Mark 11, uh, 21 through 25. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. And when you stand praying, believe in what you ask for and you will receive. What I didn't know is I knew that I needed to believe in what I had prayed for, but I also learned to find out when I read a little further that he told me that when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. At that point, I realized that I was carrying a lot of anger and unforgiveness in my heart. And at that point, I realized that he wanted me to repent for that. I I felt uh, at peace. I felt he gave me a feeling of um, knowing that everything was going to be okay. Every time I would go into the doctor's, uh, my doctor's office, I would tell him that I was going to be healed. I prayed for confirmation for months to confirm what I had felt. Two weeks before Christmas, we did another, uh, another a PET scan. This time, uh, you know, it was three, uh, several days till I went in to, uh, to see the results. I felt a peace. I knew that uh, that there was not going to be any more disease. We got these test results back. It was two weeks before Christmas, and uh, the doctor pulled it up on the screen, and he looked over at me, and he said, there's no active cancer in your body. He said, I can't explain it. And I said, I told you Jesus was going to heal me cried a little and he didn't have anything more to say and he walked out of the room it was a very emotional time and uh, I knew that God 
delivered on his promise. He took the cancer from my from my body, from my bones, my liver and my colon, my thyroid glands, and gave me a miracle. He is a miracle God. He's on the move. But we all need a forgiving spirit. We need a forgiving spirit and there there can't be anything that would keep Jesus at a distance. Isn't that an amazing story? Greg is, is still a very passionate worshiper. You've seen him down here on the front row. You know he worships passionately. Every single Sunday morning he comes in and treats heaven. He... he Worships with abandon. And like Greg said in the video, there's sometimes there are things in our lives that we have to be willing to give up because they get in the way of our relationship with Jesus. Now, he's unwilling to let anything else ever get in the way of his relationship with Jesus. The, these things like unforgiveness, bitterness, stubbornness, right? Hate, having divided loyalties, like putting something else before God. These things come between us and God. It's not that God is putting stuff in the way. We do that. We make it hard to hear from him. Jesus looks on you with compassion. He wants to do something about what you're going through. And to prove that today, that it not only happens today, but that Jesus was that way as well. We're going to read Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 29. As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting by the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them. Look, the crowd cares about the crowd. First important thing to notice about this passage. The crowd doesn't care about you. I see so many, especially young people today, going after the approval of the crowd, looking for the approval of people that they can't even name all the time, friends on social media, the likes, the whatever. Don't put your hope and trust in the crowd. The crowd will tell you to be quiet when you need something. It's your hope and trust is much better placed in Jesus. These guys, though, these two blind men only shouted louder. Verse 31, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Now, a couple things I I want to point out to you about this passage, because I think you'll start to see a pattern emerge among all four stories that I want to share with you today. Number one, and I'm going to throw these at you very quick because we have four stories to go through. We're going to keep this moving. So get your notepad out. Number one, they only shouted louder. Did you notice that? The crowd told them to be quiet. These guys only shouted louder. In fact, they dug deeper. Don't stop asking for healing. When you're told to sit down and be quiet, don't stop asking God for what you need in this life. Don't stop. Shout louder. Number two, they named the Messiah. They only shouted louder, Lord, Son of David. They knew who he was. 
They knew something about Jesus that a lot of people in that crowd did not know. We often pray to other things where we put our hope in other things. We might not call it prayer, but we ask other things to heal us, right? These men were not confused about who Jesus was. Calling him son of David meant that they knew exactly what they were doing. It was prophesied that the Messiah would come from the line of David, that he would be a son of David. They knew what they were saying. They called him the Messiah. They were giving him power with their words. They were removing anything else that might be between them and Jesus. They called him the son of David. And number three, they asked for mercy. And I think we so often come to God like we're owed something. All right, this is the book of Job. We actually see this lesson all throughout scripture. The book of Job has a lesson for us in this, right? God created us. He gives and he takes away. It is his right to do so. But we often come to God saying things like, God, how could you? God, why would you? Right? How dare you? Like we're owed something. Like we know justice better than he does. The audacity of that line of thinking. The one who created everything. Created everything. Can you create a planet? Can, can you create a, a continent? Can you create an ecosystem? Right? Can you, can you create one single living, breathing thing? Can you even explain the magic of life? Or what happens when a dead seed goes in the ground and somehow springs up life again? What actually happens at conception? No? Crickets, because I can't explain it either. Right? And, and God, in the book of Job, actually describes all of this to Job. Job says, God, you took everything from me. How dare you? How could you? I've done nothing to deserve that. And God starts to explain to him. All, not anything about Job, all of the things that God oversees in this life. He starts to explain to him the, the, how the rain comes and Job doesn't have anything to do with that and how the life springs up from the earth and Job doesn't have anything to do with that. He starts to explain to him his creatures, all of the things that God has made. And then towards the end, God doesn't use these words, but he does get snarky in some places of the Bible, particularly in Job. At the end, he goes, Job, do you know about these things? Then maybe shut up about it, because you don't know what you're talking about. I do. And Job, at the end of, of the book, we see him sort of, after chapters of lamenting and going through all of the complaints and all of the things that he has to say to God, he basically, he sits back and he says, you know what, God, you're right. I don't know what I'm talking about. I see it now. You're sovereign. And I had no right to question what I did not even deserve. These guys here, these blind men begging Jesus, they're asking the right person for mercy because they didn't know. They're asking for mercy, not necessarily out of an admission of guilt of some kind. Sometimes mercy is also just asking for undeserved kindness. Have mercy on us, Lord. We don't deserve healing from you, but we know you're the giver of it. You're willing. Heal us, right? And verse 32 says, when Jesus heard them, he stopped and he called, what do you want me to do for you? Doesn't that seem like an odd question to anybody else? First of all, when God asks a question, does he need to know the answer? 
Anytime I see God, Jesus, asking a question in the Bible, I perk up a little bit because he doesn't need to know the answer. He knows the answer, right? Who needs to know this answer? The, the blind men. Nobody answered that question. <laughs> right? They needed to know the answer. And so Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? He asked a direct question. This is important because a lot of us don't actually know what we want. When we come to God, we're saying things like, God, help me. God, do this or that. We don't actually know exactly what we want. I hear so many people come to the altars. They ask, they, they get a diagnosis of some kind, right? And, and they say, could you just please pray for healing? But if God can't do that, then, then can you please pray that the surgery would go well? But but if not that, then if it, it comes to it and I pass away, pray for my my family to be at peace. Which, which is it? Am I praying for healing? Am I praying for the surgery to go well? Or am I praying for peace for your family? Which is, which is it? Right? We ask for mercy from the right person, but then we don't know what we're actually asking for. I believe Jesus looked at the man and asked a specific direct question. What do you want from me? He had compassion on them. He looked at them in the eyes, but his question was still, what do you want from me? These guys were asked a specific question, and they gave him a specific answer. Watch this in verse 33. Lord, they said, we want to see. We want to see. Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes, and instantly they could see, and they followed him. There's a pattern here. I want you to see this pattern. So are you ready for another present-day story? Yes. Okay. Regina Yates, I don't know if she's here in the room today. I didn't see her walk in, but this is another present day story from Freedom Valley. She just sent me her story this week, okay? Some things that God has been doing in her life lately, but I want to read you just a few excerpts from this. You can actually read her full testimony from this week on the Freedom Valley Voice, which is fe.church slash voice. Uh, but here's a few excerpts from this. Regina writes, this year, the Holy Spirit was using different situations in my life to show me I was better than the things I was doing. Before the different series, he talked to me and spoke to me through the radio, through Bible sermons, things like that. And I believe he was preparing me for the different series even before the series began. I started to think of myself differently, respecting myself differently, and deciding even to date differently. For four months, I didn't date at all. God had me examining my life and showing me that as a child of God and in teaching kids ministry— Regina has been a faithful kids ministry volunteer for years. I needed to change a few things in my life so that I was not only telling the kids how much Jesus loved them, but that I was also living my whole life that way. Saturday, October 16th, while I was doing the dishes, I was listening to Jeremiah Stoddard's Missions Weekend. Do you all remember this weekend? At the end, as he was talking about healing on the podcast, I was praying too, hands held high in my kitchen. He said, put your hand where there's pain. So I did, my lower back, left side. This one spot that has been hurting for weeks. I prayed along with Jeremiah, finished listening, and went on with my day. I didn't pay attention much to my back until Monday, the next day, and realized there was no pain in that spot, and there hadn't been ever since I had prayed the day before. What's even more amazing, I had a cyst in my reproductive area, and I believe now that was where the back pain was coming from. 
Sunday night when I turned in bed, I had a bad pain in my stomach and woke up in the morning bleeding pretty bad for three days. I also have not had that stomach pain since, which I experienced multiple times before. I had the cyst for a couple of years. And one of the symptoms I was having, it could have been ovarian cancer. So when it, whether it was cancer or a cyst, God healed me. The back pain, stomach pain, and frequent urination all gone. Yeah, give it up for that. Since then, Regina has even laid hands and prayed in a, on and prayed in a few other situations, and God has moved. He not only called her to be healed, he's calling her into ministry as well, into praying over other people. Anyone starting to see a pattern yet? Got three stories down. There's a fourth coming. Let me tell you, I, I look for patterns in the Word because I, I have studied healing in the Bible thoroughly, and I've looked for patterns. I, I would like for there to be like this step one, this step two, this step three. Like I, I want a prescription or like a diagnosis from a doctor. I want God to just say, do this, this, and this, and you'll be healed, right? You want to be able to go through those motions. The problem with that is the text, <laughs> what the Bible actually says. God heals people. Yes. Jesus healed people when he walked on this earth. Absolutely. But there's not much specific rhyme or reason into how it happens. I've looked for this. Jesus healed with mud. I think once. (laughs) Never did that again that I can see in the word. Sometimes he healed with his hands, like in this particular scripture. Sometimes he doesn't touch them at all. He just says that they're healed. Sometimes they're not even in the same area as him, same city as him. He says that they're healed, and they're healed. So sometimes they're right in front of him. Sometimes they're miles away. Sometimes they're the ones asking, the person with the sickness or disease or whatever. Sometimes it's a family member, a friend, that's asking on their behalf. Sometimes Jesus heals as soon as we ask. Sometimes he sends them off to do a task, and on the way that they're healed. I have looked for patterns, y'all. They're not there. Jesus heals in all kinds of different ways. I I can't seem to nail it down, but I do see a more broad, overarching pattern. In all three stories so far, people have dug deeper. Dug deeper. Shouted louder. They fasted from something like dating. They got into the word. They, They listened deeper. In Greg's case, he went into his prayer closet in his house and he prayed for weeks. He dug deeper. Did anyone catch his diagnosis, by the way? The doctors gave him eight months. 2014 was that date. He's still worshiping God every single Sunday morning on this front row. It's amazing. He dug deeper. He recognized Jesus for who he is. All of these stories, they see him as the Messiah. The risen God, and they dug deeper, shouted louder, prayed more, listened more. And they recognized who Jesus was in a whole new way, and therefore it changed their behavior. Let me say that again. They recognized Jesus in a whole new way, and it changed their behavior. That's faith. It's the very definition of faith. I hear preachers say sometimes, you, you got to have faith to be healed. And when Aaron and I were walking through his diagnosis and all of the craziness that happened a couple of years ago, people would, would say to us a lot, you just got to have more faith. You just got to have more faith. And what that does 
just an FYI to the sick person is it makes us feel like we're doing something wrong. Like, well, I just don't have enough faith, so God can't heal me. But Jesus doesn't always heal on behalf of the faith of the person sick. Sometimes they don't, they're, they're not even the ones asking. Someone else. So it can't be just that. But it is usually a recognition of who Jesus is. And a movement on that behalf, on behalf of someone. It's a belief that causes action. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Faith in Jesus moved them, and then Jesus moved in response. Compassion. Move toward Jesus, and he will move toward you, right? Dig deeper. Understand who Jesus is, because when you do, you will ask him for specific things. That's why we talk about how worship is a recognition of who God is. We can thank him. We can praise him. Those are also spiritual disciplines. But worship is specifically something else. It is understanding who God is. Because when you understand that he is the healer, of course he's going to heal me. When you can understand that he is the provider, of course he's going to provide for me. It's who he is. It's not based upon me, actually, at all. Because Jesus already covered it. If you're a believer in him, Jesus already covered it. We just have to recognize what he's done, and ask Jesus for something specific. The beggars asked to see. Greg asked to be healed of pervasive cancer. Did you hear there at the end? God healed him of bone cancer. He had it in his liver, in his colon, in his pancreas, I think he said. Thyroid. That was the fourth one. Cancer everywhere. Crazy amounts of cancer everywhere. Eight months to live. Here we are in 2021. He is healed. Regina asked for her back pain to be healed, and God said yes. One more? Can we read one more story? The band's going to come as I read one more Bible example. We close today, and then we're going to pray. Mark 1, verse 40. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. He came and knelt in front of Jesus. You see the pattern. You recognize Jesus for who he is. He knelt in front of him. You don't do that without some belief behind it, right? Came and he knelt in front of Jesus begging to be healed. He was asking him for mercy. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. It's just three verses in Mark chapter one, but you can see the pattern. But we have to recognize who Jesus is today. The beautiful, powerful, productive compassion of Jesus. Jesus' compassion, it wasn't passive. He didn't just feel sorry for you from a distance and just feel compassion on you and then do nothing about it. It wasn't empty words. It wasn't nice platitudes. Jesus' compassion was and is productive. It moves him to do something about it. Here today, Jesus' compassion calls to you too. Calls to you. He sees your pain. He sees your diagnosis. He sees it all. He catches every tear. He knows exactly what you're going through. Seek him out today. Choose him. 
Put your faith in him today. Put your faith in the God that heals, the God that sees, the God that hears. He wants to be a friend to you. He wants to heal you. He came to heal you. By his stripes, we are healed. Jesus took that sin and that shame, the pain on the cross, and just by confessing that you believe, he takes it. Do you believe today? And if you've never said those words out loud, I want to give you that opportunity today. Because this is, this is the moment where you have the opportunity to do what those beggars did and yell louder. Maybe it's just a thought you've had lately. And I wonder what church is all about. I wonder if there's, there's something bigger out there. God is real. God is good. And he loves you so much he sent his son for you. Dig deeper today and say it out loud. This is your opportunity to do what Greg did. If you're already a believer, especially. Is to see what's between you and Jesus. If there's unforgiveness you're harboring, there's bitterness, repent for it. Give it to him. And forgiveness is a process. It doesn't happen in just one decision, but in lots of little decisions. Move toward Jesus today. Ask him to take that unforgiveness from your heart. And this is your opportunity to do what Regina did and then listen more intently for what he is saying to you. What he's calling you to. What he's asking you to give up. This is your opportunity today to seek Jesus out, to kneel before him, to acknowledge him as God like the lepers did. Father, today we close our eyes, we bow our heads, we just take a moment to focus on you. To ask you, reach out and touch us. Make us aware of your presence. Let us fully and totally understand who you are. That you were God, the Messiah, 2,000 years ago, and you are today as well. That you are alive and active. That you want to work in us. Heads bowed and eyes still closed. That's you today. If, if I was talking to you today when I said, maybe today you want to say it out loud. Maybe it's the first time ever you will have said, I believe in Jesus out loud. Maybe it's a first time for you. It's been a long time, but you want to give your life to Jesus. You want to ask him to come into your life, to, to forgive you, to heal you from the inside out. We around here, we say, I'm in. Not just I believe, but I'm in. I'm into following Jesus. I'm into believing that he came and he died on the cross for me. I'm in to a whole lifestyle change. I want to follow him. I know that I can't do this on my own anymore. And I'm in to doing it his way. That's you and you're here in the room today. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? I want to say I'm in. Maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time. I'm in. I'm in to following Jesus. If you're watching online, text the number on the screen. I'd love to give you more information about that decision. You can keep that hand raised just for a moment as the ushers come by just to slip a little card 
in your hand to help you with that decision as well. Would you all pray with me? Not just if you raised your hand, but everybody in the room. We're going to pray what we call the sinner's prayer. It is just an acknowledgement of who Jesus is. It is saying out loud, confessing with your mouth that you believe in Jesus and his forgiveness. Would you all say this with me? Father God, can't hear you. Say, Father God, I believe in your son. I believe you sent Jesus here for me. I accept his forgiveness in my life. And I choose to live his way from today forward. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Some of you prayed that prayer for the first time today. It is your spiritual birthday, Sunday, November 7th. You're brand new. You're free. Your soul is made whole in him. And can I just say, Jesus doesn't owe you anything more than that. Right? If Jesus never did another thing for me but save my soul on that cross 2,000 years ago, it was enough. It was enough. He is enough for me. His sacrifice is enough. I get eternal life with him now. But the thing is, he doesn't just want to stop there. He's a good God, a healing God, a generous God. He wants to heal you as well. He wants to make your body whole, not just your soul. Jesus, throughout scripture, always tends to put priority on the soul healing over the physical healing. That doesn't mean he didn't do it. All over scripture, we see him physically healing people. He laid his hands on. He put mud over their eyes. He he granted healing in so many different ways. Jesus still, still heals. We know that from Greg's story. We know that from Regina's story. We know that from so many stories all over the the voice and, and videos that we've presented. You probably have your own story. God healing you if you've been a Christian for long enough. I have a few healing stories in my own life. And I could probably sit around for the next few hours and tell you of the other stories that I've seen in person or heard of happening. In fact, you if you're in this room today and you have been healed, would you just stand where you are? This is just an exercise for everyone else to see. If you're still doubting today, does this. Just look around for a second. God still heals. Each person standing can testify that God heals. Some of them probably had hands laid on them around an altar like this. Some of them, maybe like Regina and Greg, got healed in their own prayer closets and in their bedrooms, wherever, at the kitchen, washing dishes. God healed them. He reached down and he healed them doesn't have to be a big flashy story like Greg's cancer throughout his body eight months to live. God heals. Sometimes he also heals of depression, of anxiety, of fear. It's not always just physical, but look at all these people in this room. Why do you think God can't heal you? He can. He's big enough for them. He's big enough for you. Today we're going to pray. I'm going to ask the prayer team to just go ahead and come. Make 
yourself available around this altar. If you are, are sick right now, if you have a diagnosis of some kind, if there's pain or you're hurting in any way, even emotionally, I believe God can heal you. I believe he wants to heal you. We know from scripture that there's not much of a rhyme or reason as to how he will do it. That part is often pretty unique. Sometimes he uses medicine to heal you. He will heal you right now, today. When we lay our hands on the sick, he heals immediately. So, so often we just don't even ask. I, I, I was actually, my healing story is that I was a believer for years and years. I mean, literally since I was three years old and confessed to knowing who Jesus was and following him, I've been a believer. And yet I still forgot. Jesus, will you heal me? <laughs> Sometimes we just forget we don't ask. Today we're going to ask. So if you need a healing in your body, I want you to begin to pray. And we're going to sing his praises during this song. I just want you to begin to seek God and begin to ask him if there's something between you and him, something you need, you need to repent of, to ask forgiveness for. Some of you will be convicted during this time. Some of you will walk out with a whole new lease on life today. Some of you will be free of healing, but ask him to heal you. Just straight up. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Ask him for healing. And the prayer team has made themselves available. During this song, if you want to come, if you're ready to ask, come and ask. They're going to lay their hands on you. They're going to pray for you. This isn't spooky or, or crazy. It's just us believing what the Word of God says believe Jesus is the healer, that he is who he says he is, and he's going to do what he said he's going to do, and he wants to do that for you. Will you open your minds to the possibility that he can? He wants to heal you today. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.
sometimes it's not about the physical. We hear so many stories of people coming into church for the first couple of months and they just cry, <laughs> weep during worship. Sometimes God wants to heal you from the inside out. Things you didn't even know you were hurting from or you can't put a name to. The Holy Spirit wants to come in and heal you from the inside out, make you whole again. Sometimes it's depression and anxiety. Uh, that's another testimony of mine. God healed me of anxiety and fear so I can function in the God-given calling he's given me. Sometimes it's a physical thing as well. It heals you of pain. It causes a diagnosis to flip and doctors can't explain it. And sometimes he leads you to the right people, the right medication, the right doctor. God's hand is in all of it. He wants to do that for you today. Do you believe that? See you next week.